I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. In this bonus episode of The Bell Tell, Polls, Politics and Parties. The latest lucid talk polling for the Belfast Telegraph reveals Sinn Féin remains the party with the biggest support. But the DUP have closed the gap, backed by unionist support for their boycott of Stormont over Brexit arrangements. I'm joined by Bill White, Managing Director of Lucid Talk, and commentator Alex Kane to take a good look at the stats just weeks out from the council elections. Bill, Alex, you're very welcome to the Bell Tale. Well, we have an election approaching on the 18th of May, and I don't know about you, but I'm excited. Mm-hmm. I, I, <laughs> I love polls. I love it. I love elections, as we all do here. Now, let's talk party political support. Now, there's a big caveat here, Bill, and I let you give it. Mm-hmm. Well, yes, uh, this uh, uh, recent poll we carried these polls out quarterly, as you know, uh, Kieran, and uh, for with the Belfast Telegraph. And the question is, how are you going to vote in the Northern Ireland Assembly election? Uh, but but yes, it, obviously it it should bear some resemblance to what's going to happen at the local government elections uh, in terms of the trends and what's happening, etc., uh, on the ground in terms of support for the various political parties. Why we why we officially and quotes. Uh, poll on Northern Ireland Assembly elections and Northern Ireland Westminster elections is that the modelling and the models we have set up are more akin to getting good turnouts, around 65-70% turnouts in elections so we can compare the results to our polls like for like as it were and um, the Westminster and Assembly elections do usually hit those turnout figures you know, we don't know what the turnout is going to be in the Northern Ireland local government elections coming up. But you know, looking at past history, they're usually around the early fifties, fifty-one, fifty-two percent. So that that is a factor to take into account um, when looking at local government elections. The also the other issue with local government elections, this applies to all pollsters across the UK and across the world, is that well, the, the clues in the title, local, and there is local factors. There is popular local candidates in particular areas. Maybe there running for a particular party that's in overall Northern Ireland supporters in decline but because they've worked very hard on the ground they've got a personal following and they're well known locally to a large number of even the people that vote for them probably know them personally they meet them on the street they, they've helped them out with particular local government local council issues so they're popular on the ground that type of thing is hard for polls Northern Ireland wide polls or any pollster to determine accurately down in each area unless we do some very in-depth polling with a 
much, 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 much larger sample size. And then, of course, you're into the practical uh, points of cost and uh, time and all the rest of it. So in summary, with this recent poll, uh, we see a, a not really much change from our winter tracker poll, to be honest with you, overall. Sinn Féin is down a couple of points. The DUP are stagnant in the mid-20s. Lions a couple of points down. The UUP are up one point. Um, the Green Party are up one point as well. And the others, the main mover was the others independent. They're up two points. That includes parties like the IRSP, the Workers' Party, the Northern Ireland Conservatives, other independents, etc. So they're up two points from 1% to 3%. Um, I, I, as I have said in another commentary article, I think there's a, having mentioned the local government elections, I think there's a little bit of local government flavour coming into this poll because you get more people voting, maybe regular Sinn Féin voters who vote IRSP because they know the local IRSP candidate well. They vote for the Workers' Party in local government elections. Uh, you also get a small swing usually from Alliance to the Green in the local government elections and Green overperform at local government elections compared to Northern Ireland Assembly elections because there's an undoubted pattern of normal, if you like, or usual Green Party voters switching to the Alliance Party at Assembly election just from the nothing that they're not anti-Green Party, but they see Alliance as the bigger party and the more chance of getting a candidate elected. So there's a little bit of local government flavour, I think, come into this in this poll. Um, although the question, as I said at the start, was who are you, if there was a Northern Ireland Assembly election tomorrow, who are you going to vote for? So that's a quick 100 miles an hour summary of the yeah. main trends and the results. What did you pick up, Alex? Anything standing out for you with this? Well, I think there's no, I wasn't surprised, no disrespect to Bill's poll, uh, but I wasn't surprised because it, it more or less confirmed what we pick up anecdotally, what you hear mm. through conferences, talking to parties on a regular basis. They, when I was talking to two of the parties, in fact, on the Thursday, two days before this came out, I said, what are you doing? Because they all assumed I knew, and I said, I don't know at this point, but I said, what are your things? And basically it was in line with what this poll is showing. I think the key with local government elections is important. Bill's right about this. Uh, when it's a, a Westminster election, it's 18 candidates or 18 seats and 18 constituents. It's the assembly, it's 90. This is 462 who are fighting for DES. It becomes very personal, it becomes very local. And that's why the Greens and people before Profit and Into and a number of others, and even some maybe the TUV and SDLP are sitting lower than they would like to be, they will still pick up because by the time you trundle all your way through those counts, as long as they're still standing somewhere in the field, they have a chance of picking up those extra seats. And the smaller parties at that point, oddly enough, because it's concentrated in the DES, not just the, you know, the consistency, if they can hang in there just long enough, you know, you, they will pick up all those seats in the last few hours. And mm. I think that's important. Um, it, it, the bigger thing, of course, I think psychologically looking at this poll, it confirms what we saw in um, in May 22 with the... Um, what, what Sinn Féin will be looking for out of out of this local government election. We're seeing it in how they're fielding. It's interesting some of the particular places they're fielding where you thought before they were overfielding. They've, they've worked out the strategy. They learned from the, the, the general election in, in Southern Ireland a few years ago where they underfielded in, in key places. They learned they want not only, they want to reverse back in, in the last local government election, the DUP were ahead by what, 15, 16 seats and 1%. Sinn Féin want to reverse that and based on these figures they're going to do that and that's huge for them because there's all this sense oh you got lucky you got lucky because the unionist vote was split in the assembly election you got lucky because the DUP and TUV were fighting slightly different battles if they can do this if they can pull this off and say look we're, we're, we are with the biggest party again and with more seats again it makes life more difficult oddly enough for Geoffrey Donaldson 
He, mm. The biggest thing he would love to come out of this, and they will maybe still hope, the biggest thing they want is, is for the DUP to remain the largest party and have the most couple of seats because that gives Donaldson a bit of space to make decisions. If he doesn't do either of those, I think it makes life much more difficult for him and consequently much more difficult in terms of restoring devolution. So it's local, but as we know, that's an Everything element local, yeah. <laughs> here, but obviously there are constitutional questions and there are other questions. I mean, you mentioned tiny parties in, 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 like the IRSP and the Workers' Party, but like they may be picking up votes because of international affairs and people mm. might see the, 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 a chance of getting an IRSP voice ex- on Belfast City Council. Tiny party in the wider scheme of things, but there are so many factors involved and personalities on the ground as as we've said um couple of things that i've picked up on there uh, the sdlp and the tuv remain static in joint fifth place on 7% we cannot can we really compare the sdlp as a party and the tuv as a party or can we i mean that percentage could it really result in the same number of councillors well, yeah, this is, again, another thing that's very deceptive that I should have mentioned as well is the practical point that the TUV aren't running in all areas compared to the SDLP. The SDLP are running a much larger slate of candidates. So it's very hard to vote for your favourite party in an area where they're not running a candidate. So those people have to choose. They're either not going to vote at all or vote for some other party or candidate. So we, you know, that this is the Northern Ireland Assembly election poll. The TUV ran in all 18 constituencies at the last Northern Ireland Assembly election in in May 2022 um, so it's not really again comparing like with like it's also at 7 but it just so happens coincidentally they're on the same poll score but of course as we all know in the reality of Northern Ireland the SDLP vote shares you know primarily from one voter base community and of course the TUV voter shares primarily were nearly totally from the the unionist voter uh, base and the unionist voter community so it's it's not in that sense comparing like with like and you must always remember again with Northern Ireland Assembly election, you get this broad spread of candidates running in all constituencies. So you can get very, very good assessments. If you get a Northern Ireland wide vote share in a poll, you can compare it to the vote share they get in the Northern Ireland Assembly or Westminster election. And that usually translates into a proportional number of candidates elected to the Northern Ireland Assembly at, at Stormont. That's not the case with local government because you get a much smaller, you know, parties running smaller number of candidates compared to the other particularly the bigger parties like Sinn Féin and the DUP. Yeah, also I think with the SDLP have have particular problems of its own and have had for the past five or six years. So, um, but if you go to TUV, their their first problem is it's it's they are not uh, easily transferable or tra- transfer friendly. Even you look at some other polling stuff, which has shown that you know the um, T uh, the Ulster Unionist Party, for example, are way down in terms of wanting to transfer to the TUV. They're not going to get any votes or any transfers. I think are very unlikely to get any transfers outside the Unionist family. Mm. It's gone down in the UUP side, and also if you look at the DUP there's a sense as well that they're not quite as happy with, with, with the transfer into the uh, TUV because obviously they want to, to, to hit the TUV as hard as they can but it goes back to my earlier point Kieran, that if 
the TUV and Bill's right they're not standing everywhere and they're, they're trying, they've been quite selective and quite canny in some cases about mm-hmm, where they're standing true. where they think they're, they will still pick up because of the local thing because the, the local candidate is well known he may not be known outside his DEA but he's tremendously it could be a shopkeeper it could be a plumber it could be someone who just has that a cross section of you know people who might oh, well do you know but and just give him that vote but again it comes back to that issue it's keeping those candidates in long enough to be there when the transfers come, because there is no point being transfer friendly if if your if your range of candidates has has gone out on the first and second count. Talking about the transfers, uh, I have noticed. I think it was in the Irish News's latest uh, polling that they looked at second preference votes, and that only a small percentage of SDLP voters, a quite small percentage of SDLP voters, intend to transfer to Sinn Fein, which would. Tell me two things. It occurs to me that what that means is that the people who remain voting for the SDLP are implacably opposed to to Sinn Féin. And it it also perhaps says that, well, that's to Sinn Féin's disadvantage because almost 50% of Sinn Féin voters say they will transfer to the SDLP. It doesn't happen the other way around. So if that Sinn Féin candidate needs, is in desperate need of those votes to get over the line, perhaps shouldn't be looking at the next SDLP person to be put out of the race. Yes, indeed. Um, uh, yes, the the, uh, the Irish News poll did look at second preferences and uh, your points, uh, you know, your point's a good one. Sinn Féin, I suppose, in a way, in the nationalist uh, Republican voter base camp is a little bit sort of like, in terms of flavour, like the TUV. You're either supporting, supportive of Sinn Féin, you support their policies, you vote them number one. Um, why would you vote them number two, three or four if you're looking at their overall policies? The TUV would be the same in the unionist side. You're either for or against them nearly because they have one of the tributes you could say to the TUV and in a way is they, you know where they stand. They're pretty firm on their views. Um, Sinn Féin maybe to a lesser extent because they're a much bigger party of course and a much wider range of policies um, but to a certain extent they have that flavour as well so they're not that transfer friendly. Um, transfers you need to be <laughs> I don't want to you know, appear sort of critical but we have researched on second preferences before. The research shows, and this is much wider research on PR elections, that people tend to make up their mind about transfers on the day as they're going into the polling station. Most people go to the polling station and they've made up their, the people who are dedicated to politics and interested in it know how they're going to vote weeks out. A large block of people make up their mind about a week out or a few days out, but it's their first preferences. The vast majority of people going into the polling station maybe have made up their mind, thought in that morning who they're going to vote two, three, four, five. And that's why, for example, canvassers usually stand outside polling stations. It's not the influence of the first preference vote. People have usually made up their mind, but it's the influence of those preferences. So they can go in, they can vote TUV number one or or Sinn Féin number one, and they've met the Alliance canvasser or some other canvasser outside the polling station, had a nice chat with them, thought, oh yeah, I'll give them a three and I'll, I'll give somebody four. So they don't think as deeply about preferences. So that should always be a caveat when you're looking at preference polling that it's a, it's very very changeable uh, right up to election day. I'm just going to add in an, a, another little caveat for the, the, the non-nerds who may be, be listening mm. this notion when you say that the second press CLP not giving their second preference to Sinn Féin if there are four uh, Sinn Féin candidates in the DEA and two SDLP 
if the four Sinn Féin, you know, they will vote one, two, three, four Sinn Féin. By the time they get to the SPLT, you're talking about the fifth and sixth preference, the same mm. with the, for the TUV preference, it might be DUP3 uh, candidates, UUP2 candidates, and then that union's voter will vote for Sinn Féin. So basically, it goes back to my point, if you want to get those transfers, you're not talking about one to two, you're talking about maybe one to six. Mm. That candidate has to be there long enough to benefit. And I think for a lot of people to say, oh, this, you know, we, I'm not sure that the, 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 the preference system works quite as well, you know, in this system as it would, you know, in the in the assembly where you you have less candidates and it's it's a much tighter voting system. Whereas with this, it wanders and wanders and wanders, keeps on wandering down because there's so many seats inv- available at that point. Yes, yes. I mean, in, in Northern Ireland assembly elections, the first preferences are much more important. Uh, in this election, of course, first preferences are more important than second preferences. They are at all elections, obviously. But the gap between the importance of first preferences yeah, and right. second, third and fourth preferences is much narrower in a local government election mathematically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so therefore, the irony is that, yes, the preferences are more important in local government elections, but the research shows that people think less about them, both in assembly elections and local government elections, but particularly in local government elections, uh, where there is a lower turnout People are thinking, I'm talking about the vast majority of people who want to vote, but maybe is not as into politics or study it as, as deeply as the as the dedicated people who vote all the time. And they are the vast majority, remember, of the voter base. And they tend to think about their preferences maybe just within the last 24 or 48 hours before going to vote. So it's Or uh, even when they're standing there with the pencil in their hand. <laughs> exactly. You know, I mean, a lot of that happens and uh, they've met the person outside. And that's why those last impressions are so important. Of course, yes, some people change their first preferences based on how they talk to outside the polling station. But the vast majority, if you've even done, the parties know this, it's influencing those transfers. And that can be effective on the day of the election if they meet in candidate, they've struck up a, they may know move them, find, you know, the, know, some local issue that they relate on to do with cemeteries or roads or whatever. Oh yeah, I'll give them a three or a four, but I met them outside. Nice people, yeah, blah, blah. So that that can have a big impact on the election. And to be fair, that is a little bit of a lottery. It's very hard to determine how that's going to go on the day. And you only find that out when you open the votes and you start looking at the preferences and you see there's the uh, results coming through. We'll all look forward to that. Alex, can I ask you a final question before I move on from the party support? Over the last few years, any time I've been interviewed or talking or reading a piece about the Alliance Party, this noun always comes up and it's surge. And for me, the word surge has been sometimes been doing an awful lot of heavy lifting. Uh, and sometimes I think sometimes there's wishful thinking involved. The Alliance Party's poll, uh, the Alliance Party support according to this poll is down two points to 13%. I find it very hard to think of 13% as a surge. Am well, I being very cynical there? No, I don't think you are being cynical. I, I, I think that in one sense it's true. Were they, if you look back to where Alliance were in the, in the first um, assembly election in 1990, when they really thought they would, that if the, the, the moment for a surge was there, it was 1998, because this was the middle ground. This was the party which had spent its entire life saying it was built on the basis of we want power sharing, and you would, they'd have expected it to be a beneficiary. I think it came in with about 6%. You know, 
since about 2016, it has gone from 6% to 8% to 10% to 11%. It's won two Westminster seats. It won uh, an MEP. It, it, it's proved, you know, it, it, it robbed the Ulster Unis of an MEP seat and so on. It robbed the DUP of a, of a, a, an MP. It, 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 it followed Sylvia Herman. So there's that sense that, yes, something is happening in lives. But when you actually look at it, 13% for the middle ground, the so-called middle ground, after 25 years of a, of a, of a peace process, is not a huge position to be in. And the other thing is, um, which always worried me, that alliance people, not just alliance, people talk about this, the rise of the middle. I'm not sure it is the rise of what I always call the, the genuine middle. Because I think the middle, the middle in Northern Ireland politics is not somewhere between republicanism and unionism, the middle is way over there, uncharted territory where no one has planted any signs of something entirely different. And I think if the alliance continues to stay in this spot between you, it, it, I don't see where it grows. I mean, I, I've been, I, I was surprised that it grew to, to 13, 14%, and I think that's important and they've done well. But if you're talking about the surge, if you're talking about going to be a much more important societal political force and genuinely representing that middle ground who don't vote. That's the problem. 150,000 of those people came out in the referendum to just say, look, we quite like this, get on with it. They didn't come out again six weeks later, which is why Alliance didn't do well, which is why the UUP and SDLP underperformed. Those people are still not coming out. And I, I, I know I bore in this subject, but there's still the lack of a post-conflict party in Northern Ireland, which is entirely new, entirely different, which is not, if you like, encapsulating its identity, its sense of worth on what it's not. We're not unionist, we're not nationalist. It's actually encapsulating its identity saying, this has not existed before. This form of politics has not existed. These choices in politics and on the ballot paper have not existed before. I think that's where NI21 was trying to head mm. towards before it collapsed. But there's still there is still, people have said we don't need another party. I would argue we do need another party, if only not to take votes from unionists or nationalists or that, but actually to, to say to all those people who don't vote, we're talking about a few hundred thousand, say to them, mm. actually here's maybe the thing you have been looking for for the past 25 or 50 years. Mm. That's perhaps a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I think, I'll, I think, I'll come yeah. to that one as well. Then. I think just in the terms of the alliance, Serge, yes, you're quite correct. There was, um, you know, a lot of publicity about that and a lot of coverage. I think, to be fair, a bit of it was a little bit of an understandable hype. I mean, Naomi Long, yes, won the MEP seat, the member of the European Parliament, the very last um, European parliamentary election that we had here before um, Brexit and whatever form happened. Um, that was in 2019. Now, she got 16-7. I forget the vote share, but 8% was it? Was it? Yes, it was. So, so, I mean, but a, a chunk of that was personal, as well as a bedrock of support, people voting for the Alliance Party. Um, you know, the Assembly election, we were, we got the, uh, this is the minor ego trip again, we got the Alliance Party within 1%. We predicted them at 13.6%. They came in at 13.5% in that um, election. Some other forecasts had them at 16, 17, 18%. So yes, it's solid. There's a, a it's certainly a surge if you look at it overall as Alex has, has, has covered or a, an increase maybe is the best way of putting it. But, um, you know, we, we shouldn't, there is now a core support for the Alliance Party. But yes, it's still around the 13, 14%. It's not getting to the 15, 20%, the big surge breakthrough, if you like, on a regular basis. Um, and they did very well. Again, what is deceptive and maybe uh, shouldn't be overplayed, and I know that people who look after the elections in the Alliance Party know this, you know, they got 17 Assembly seats on a 13.5% vote share, um, which is really overperforming in terms of getting the number of seats against that Northern Ireland wide vote share. 
And yes, they had the ball rolling for them on the day. There's an element of luck in elections. They had the transfers in the right precise numbers at the right counts at the right time to squeeze out those. But it'd be hard for them on a 13.5% vote share, unless they increase that vote share, to hold on to those 17 seats if there was another another Northern Ireland Assembly election. Meanwhile, unionist feeling on the protocol is hardening uh, rather than rather than what can I say beginning to accept the situation as it is. So two thirds now saying the DUP shouldn't return to government until this protocol is scrapped, which does seem highly unlikely. Can you dig into that a little, Bill? Yes, well, yes, 62% of the, uh, we asked this question just of people who indicated in our polling question that they were going to vote for a unionist party or a unionist candidate if there was a Northern Ireland Assembly election tomorrow. Uh, So we just, this question just went out to those people within the poll and then we did our balanced sample and got it representative of the Northern Ireland unionist voter base as a whole. So this question is only asked of unionists as you would expect because it's to do with unionist tactics and particularly the DUP on the Windsor framework and the Northern Ireland protocol. So what we try to do with this question is to it's it's sort of it's called in the trade a stress poll question. It's saying to people really look uh it's Stormont or the Windsor Protocol, you know. Are you willing to give up Stormont if it means getting rid to try to keep getting rid of the Windsor Protocol? Now, the answer would come back. Jeffrey Donaldson, the DUP, may probably say this and say, well, hang on, it's not one or the other. We, you know, we, we can have both. We should have Stormont. We should get rid of the Windsor Framework or the border and the RAC. But it's really just to find where people's priorities were. And we find out that 62% of the unionist voter base has said that the Windsor Protocol is or the Windsor framework is a priority in terms of getting rid of it. So the DUP should not re-enter Stormont, the Stormont institution until the Windsor framework is removed completely, If even if this means the permanent closure of Stormont. So it is quite strong. 28% say Stormont is, the, 28% say Stormont is the priority. The DU should get back in and negotiate about the Windsor framework within Stormont. And 9% of the unionist voter base say, the stu- regardless of the Windsor framework, the DUP should be back in Stormont anyway. So 37% of the unionist voter base, you know, primarily you'd have to say made up of probably the UUP voter base, 37% say the, the DUP should be back in Stormont in some format, even if that means rene- trying to renegotiate the Windsor framework from within and whilst working the Stormont institutions. But 62% say no, uh, it's uh, they should stay out until... The Windsor framework is removed. Well, the, the, the question was removed completely. So, yes, that that is a hardening from our position that we found in our previous polling, January and March. Although the questions I have to say in that previous polling were slightly different because this is a very complex area. I mean, the Windsor framework only came out, I think, in March or February, March time. So, you know, the situation changes all the time. Um, and within that voter base, that's 62%, as you would expect, 79% of the DUP voter base feel that they shouldn't go back to Stormont until the Windsor framework is removed completely and 94% of the TUV voter base. The reverse is with the UUP voter base. 65% of the UUP voter base, Doug Beatty's party, think, um, uh, well, 65, 75, 81% in total think they should be back in Stormont and negotiate, at least negotiate about the uh, Windsor framework from there, so... Alex, Alex, last time we spoke, you seemed to be confident uh, and positive, if, if, if I may put it like that, that we would see Stormont return, perhaps in the medium term. Are you still confident of that? or 
Yes, I am still confident about that. Um, for a number of reasons. You know, Bill's right. I, I, I'm not saying the 62% surprise. It was a little higher than I thought it would be. I think yes, that, I thought it was yeah, higher, yeah. I, I, I still think there's anger out there across unionism that somehow, you know, with Theresa May, with Boris Johnson uh, and with Rishi Sunak, they've been betrayed. I think what that some of that sense of betrayal and, you know, being abandoned and, you know, you know not listened to, you know, whatever phrase you want to use, shows up in polls like this. But... I go back to talking to, to Bill and the, and the car on the way down about this. If you go back to the 2007 Assembly election uh, where the DUP, you know, emerged uh, as the you know, master of all they surveyed, you know, they wiped out all unionist opposition, the, the, the remnants of Bob McCartney's party, smaller parties, the Ulster Unionists. I think they came back with 35, 36, something like that seat. Big, strong party. If you would asked them, and I, I was reading through some of the stuff, um, uh, the, the diary I'd kept at the time. If you looked at the comments from Ian Paisley, from Peter Robinson, from the lead player, in the DUP from their candidates when anybody dared to say, any journalist dared to say to them, well, does this mean you'll be sharing power with Sinn Féin? You'll do it a little bit. No, what? What would you know? This is a long way. Within a matter of weeks, the DUP, Sinn Féin, the Chuckle Brothers had emerged. <laughs> you know, and, and no one saw that coming. You know, the, Tony Blair are hiring all in the Assembly, all saying privately, we didn't expect this. It came because at that point, in one sense, there was nowhere else to go. And I think there will come... In a matter of weeks, a matter of months, and I, I still think we're looking at September, early autumn, unionists and the DUP in particular, and we'll begin to think, well, where are we going? What do we do? Do we really, is this where we're coming to that we really want to lose uh, devolution? Because, you know, if we don't, fine, we lose the storm in Parliament, or the, sorry, the storm in Assembly. What happens to the Windsor framework still there? It's still been done. All the things we don't like are still being done, but we don't actually have a foothold in local government. And we've only, what, eight, nine, whatever it is, MPs in Westminster who weren't listened to by the Lords, who weren't listened to by the Commons, who weren't listened to by the Supreme Court, who weren't listened to by the right-wing media across the UK. All of them just ignored what unionism wanted. So that'll force a very difficult question. So I think when Bill does his next poll, I think that may be reflected. But I think the the, the worry for Donaldson and the DUP, who I still believe uh, are, are, are want to find a way to get back into the Assembly because they know there's nowhere else they can be that they can have some effect is that Donaldson's going to be asked a variation of two questions over the next few weeks. Jim Allister's going to say to him time after time after time 62% of people do not want unionists do not want you to go back in to go can you give them a pre-election guarantee that the Democratic Unionist Party will not go back into government until the framework is entirely gone that's going to be a very difficult question for, for, for Donaldson and they're also going to ask him and Jim Alice is going to ask him are you going to be prepared to sign up to a, a Deputy First Minister to Michelle O'Neill the TUV has ruled out both of those that's going to be its campaign and I'm not saying ignore the 7% but the TUV campaign is going to be based entirely on those two questions as we've seen from this poll the Ulster Unionist Party is behind Doug Beattie in this. They want to go back into the Assembly. Even if the, the framework isn't going, or even if they can be reading, they want to stay there. The DUP is caught somewhere in the middle here. The answers Donaldson gives in the next few weeks, go back again to 2007, that election, the DUP found a way around. They found a form of word. We're looking for a better deal. We're looking for a fairer deal. They found a way of getting themselves into the Assembly. Donaldson does not want a situation where he, through his answer, closes those doors. Yeah, well, yeah, that's the point, Alex. I mean, yes, the um, it's it's Donaldson. I think what this poll is indicating, Donaldson and the DUP need something from Rishi Sunak and the British government yeah. to alleviate the Windsor framework, so they can say <clears throat> they probably can't really say in credibility that the Windsor framework has gone completely. But it's a different framework. It's a different. We've now got assurances from Rishi Sunak and the government about the Windsor framework, and that could swing. 
uh, a large chunk of that 79%. Because remember, what we're asking here is, do you support your own party? This is to the voter base. Do you support your own party's policy? And there's always within any party, a large section of the voter base will say, well, that's Jeffrey's leading us that way, so let's support Jeffrey. Let's support the DUP leadership. If Jeffrey changes or does and says, I've got reassurances, let's get back into Stormont, a large chunk of that will say, well, that's now the party policy, so we'll back him. So, um, you know, we, we shouldn't read too much into the the hardening side because even if you look at the other side, yes, I've already said 65, 81% of the UUP voter base say, let's get back into Stormont. And that doesn't surprise me because Doug Beattie has, in his sense, hardened his view over the last two or three months since January or February. He's much more now definitely get back into Stormont. January was, yes, I think we should. I'm still against the Windsor framework, but maybe we should look at doing this. He's much more firmer now. We need to get the institutions up and working again. Certainly that's the position that the EUP have taken. They're taking a much more you know, hardened view in their sense on that. But that's 81% of the UUP voter base that think that. 20% of the DUP voter base think that. Okay, it's a minority, but it's one in five. One in five of the DUP voter base. Even uh, even though Jeffrey Donaldson is saying our current policy is to stay out until we get the Windsor framework removed or drastically, you know, redone or whatever. One in five DUP voter base, one in five of the DUP voter base at this moment think the DUP should be back into Stormont. That's something for Jeffrey to work on. It's not 5% or 8%, it's 20%. You know, it's a notable minority. As I would term it. Well, sure, can I just very quickly just a old man facts coming in here. Back in 1998, in the assembly election, when the DUP was asked, having said, having run on the ticket that the, the assembly and the framework or GFA was a, a one-way ticket to United Ireland, and they went into the assembly, and there was a moment when, along with Bob McCartney. Uh, they could have got the numbers to destroy the assembly, to, to walk out, bring everything down, make Trimble's position untenable. They chose to stay. They chose to stay because having talked to the British and Irish governments, they realised there was no alternative. There's nowhere else to go. They, the, the Good Friday Agreement was not going to be ripped up to suit them to start again. And I think... I think the DUP will find itself in a very similar position. And in some sense, I can feel the pain that's coming from them because sometimes in politics, it always comes down to that choice between the authentic mammon and the bogus god. And I think there are key people in the DUP realise that uh, you know if devolution goes, unionism will be in a much more difficult position. And it's also worth saying, and Bill, will, I think, will recognise this as well, there's a, there's a section of unionism, there's a section of new generational loyalism, there's a section of the Orange Order, and there's a section of, of unionists who are just angry in general who couldn't care less at this moment if the Assembly does go down because they believe that it has never given anything to them, that all it does is facilitate the Sinn Féin agenda. That will never change. There will always be that hardcore yes, who say point, yeah. we should never have accepted it. And those people, Jim Allister, it's worth bearing in mind, 2007, when the, the, when the deal was done with, with Paisley and McGuinness, Jim Allister left. He left, he was angry, he left, he formed the TUV, which has become a thorn in the flesh. And the anger that Jim Allister and the language he's using now is, if you go back, it's very reminiscent of the language he was using about the DUP. And it was one of trust. And Jim's main point in all of this is that his fear, and I, I, I recognise where his sense of fear is coming from, his fear is that the DUP will do exactly what they did in 1998 when they stayed in the Assembly and what they did in 2007 when they did the deal with Sinn Féin. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why he's trying to hammer this. He's trying to say to people, if you vote for the DUP, they will do it. And I know they'll do it because I was in the inside camp at that point. Yes, the outside, Alex has said on the wider point there that we, we, you know, people are saying they want the institutions up and working. But a large section of the, or, you know, a significant section of the unionist voter base 
you know, they're, they have a shrugged shoulders attitude mm. to the institution, regardless of the Windsor framework. I mean, if they look at the history of the institutions and it's been down, you know, 40% of the time since they were formed uh, just after the the Belfast Good Friday Agreement or whatever, and um, they feel it hasn't really aided both the unionist cause or even in the practical case, their own position on the ground in Northern Ireland. So that's the background to this. It's not as if they're, you know, trying to get back to an institutions that they see are absolutely tremendous and really going to change their lives. So within this, if you're asking us, it's Stormont or the Windsor framework. You know, that the, because of the weakness of the image of Stormont and what it's done over the last 20 years, that feeds into this poll question as well. Time will tell. <laughs> uh, Alex Kane, Bill White, once again, thank you very much. Thank you. I'm looking forward to uh, speaking about our next poll when it comes along, and I hope you both enjoy your election. Absolutely. We will. Thanks very much. <laughs> Thanks. <you. laughs> When you get an Irish independent digital subscription, you don't just get access to the news at your fingertips. For a limited time, you'll also receive a €75 O'Neill's gift card. So what are you waiting for? Get the whole kit and caboodle. Visit independent.ie forward slash subscribe today. Irish independent. Terms and conditions apply.